0: Everyone, welcome to Noisy Narratives. This is Debbie. I'm here with Christy today. Christy, hey there. Hello. Um, notice I'm not asking how you're doing because <laughs> we're doing great. We don't do. We we're know. doing great. We know we're
1: both doing great. <laughs> we already know that. We had small talk before the microphones came. We
0: on. did, we did, because we have to do that. Otherwise, we talk too much,
1: and then our podcast is mm-hmm. two hours long, too long, way too long. So um, today, you're bringing a question. Yeah, I was thinking about this yesterday because I needed to tackle a room in my, I needed to tackle a room in my house that I had let build up, not the floor, but the areas that it sits on. And it was my closet and your closet. My closet. So this was my the question. The deep, dark mm-hmm. depths of your closet. This is what I was wondering. Do our closets show our personality? And, and oh, not- here's the really the other question. Okay. I have total PTSD when it comes to closets too. Cause I was raised by a dad that his closet had to be perfectly in order. I mean like finger between every, um, what do you call those things? All the hangers? Hangers. Like thinking- yes. And they had to be certain hangers. Oh my gosh. My mom used to, to go searching for these dang hangers too. And so he was a Nazi about his closet, even his underwear. Cause he wore whitey tidies. Maybe too much information, but that's fine. But back in the day, but I mean, they, they were even have to be folded and like placed in the drawer and, then and that go to my, did,
0: after hearing you talk about some of the trauma you grew up oh, with, yeah. that
1: did reflect his personality. A hundred percent. Yeah. Narcissist, controlling, controlling yeah. everything. And so, um, but then you would look at my mom's side and she would have her jewelry at different places. She might have things hung up. Nothing was really on the floor, but it wasn't in order like the other side, right? Because you could stand in the closet, you could see his side on the right, you could see her side on the left and be like... Clearly nice and organized and not her side. So then I started doing my laundry. Like, what is my laundry or what does my closet say about me? Oh, and side note, I've shared this before. When I would date guys, I would always look at their closet. Yes, I totally. remember you saying that. Because I was like, I do not want to marry a man like that. So I went to the so you would have, opposite yes, end of the
0: You felt slot. better if you married someone who had a oh, yeah. messy closet oh, yeah. versus a really clean And one. I should
1: have reevaluated that a little bit. I mean, Greg's great, but his closet is always a mess. But you have two separate closets? No, we have the oh. same closet. Yeah, we do too. Yeah, so if his so, is on yeah. the right, mine's on the left. Yeah, And mine's not always perfect by any means, but does your closet, Debbie, reflect who you are? Or an element of who you are, if you unpacked I, it, really? Yes, I would say,
0: okay, I would say you an element. Yes, you I would say an element. Internally
1: and then externally. Like yeah. you personally and then if people came over.
0: Yeah, I would say, um, and we're not talking about the clothes we wear. We're talking about what our closet looks like when we walk into it, right? Uh So, right now, my closet's a disaster. Um, And because, you know, we're still, we still got projects going on. Our house is so much livable, great, but. Give us detail on what a disaster means. It means there's shoes everywhere on the floor. Mm -hmm. There's a hamper of dirty clothes in there but overflowing. there's a ham- overflowing yes. there's a hamper of clean clothes overflowing but oh, you have a hamper of clean clothes. well of like oh, this when- is gonna be such a fun conversation <laughs> <laughs> i love details so like say i wash the clothes right yeah and they're dry and i have to fold them yes but all of a sudden there's 10 other things that need my attention amen
1: girl and Do so not fold. i
0: take them and i just put them on the floor of the closet and sometimes they never yes. get folded try. Yeah, i'm just pulling them out i'm spraying them with de-wrinkle mm-hmm. spray mm-hmm. and there we go and then, um,
1: and that's why I do the same thing. Yeah. I don't spray with de wrinkle. I, do I don't. It's funny.
0: I am that Never weird of that. dichotomy of I don't always have to fold them perfect, but I don't like wrinkles either. Even though I know in my brain, if I fold them good, I won't get wrinkles. That doesn't always happen. You don't like
1: wrinkles? I don't. I don't like, like wrinkles. Do you, like, do you, okay? So you don't like wrinkles on you. Do you look mm-hmm. at other people and be like, oh, she's got wrinkles? <laughs> oh, yeah. <you do! laughs> Shoot. I'm going to start ironing better. Let me look like I got not now. I actually did iron this shirt today, but it's, it's, it's the cotton. It's the cotton. It just gets all wrinkled. I wrinkly. don't
0: mean to. I so don't awesome. mean to do it. I'm trying to figure out if I'm honest so or not great. here. So the issue I have is that I worked in two restaurants that we literally had to have like, have like creases oh, yes. on our shirts. Like I'm not, I still will come with some wrinkles, right? They don't have to be like pressed. Yeah. But it's wrinkle wrinkles mm-hmm. where like it looks like you just rolled out of bed. Yes. Kind of a thing. And so, but I mean, we had to like have our uniform pressed and, and look good, whatever. And so. Do you um, iron your t-shirts you wear? I don't. Do you spray them with your But I spray them with the D wrinkle and I throw them in the dryer. (laughs) Is it really called D wrinkle? D D wrinkle spray. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to look that
1: one up. Oh man, it's the bestest. But I'd be too, I'd be moving too fast to even take the time. I'd rather just walk out with wrinkles. No, what I do is I'll know it has to be de-wrinkled. so I'll throw
0: in the spray, put it in the dryer, do my other stuff, go back get it, put okay. it on. So I have a whole like system. Okay. Okay. We got sidetracked. And side what's tracked. funny is my kids do the same thing. they of actually, they do the same thing. They learned everybody. from you, yeah.
1: the genius of mom. We <laughs> no. learned.
0: I love it. You have so, a dirty clothes hamper.
1: Do you so and Jamie do have, have the same dirty clothes? No. Hamper? He Two has separate. his. I have mine. Does my, he do his own laundry? He
0: does do his own laundry Good for him because I started just getting too slow. <laughs> <laughs> because life got busy, I started uh-huh. working and he had to wait too long and I was like, "Well," and he was like, "No, he's and he's good about it. He's great." And all my kids have been doing their own laundry since the 8th grade. Mm-hmm. So, everybody takes care of their own clothes. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to fold them or not, that is up to you. Mm-hmm. If you want to de-wrinkle or not, that is up to you. So, you give them their but own ability,
1: their own freedom to do their own laundry. As they want. Wrinkle and I'm or not telling wrinkle.
0: you, as soon as that happened, My life was much less stressful. But when they
1: walk out of the house with a wrinkle, are you like internally like, mom, fail. I have failed my children. I do
0: have a clutch in my gut and I have to work (laughs) and not... saying something and there will be times where i have to give them a heads up like this is this kind of an event this is what this outfit you're wearing needs to look like
1: yeah
0: when we leave the house this is what it needs to look Mm -hmm. like and they do know that i am serious about that kind of thing Mm because i don't do that very often right so when i do say it they know it matters so um anyway back to your closet but back to my closet it is a mess, but I will say I'm okay with closing the door and walking away from it mm-hmm. and not even thinking about it. It's mm-hmm. not a big deal to me. But my house is clean when people come over. So if I knew they were going to go into my closet, I probably would clean my closet. Spend some Because I time. do care what people think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get it. So, I mean, I think that's my closet mm-hmm. story. And my husband – and the issue, too, is we don't have a real big closet. We didn't um, – spend money on getting it really outfitted when we could have just because i was going to stay home when we built our house we kind of did the bare minimum mm-hmm. and so there is a lack of organizational tools in that closet and that's our kind of another project we're going to tackle but there is that issue too
1: you going to hire somebody or is jamie going to do it no
0: we'll do it we'll figure out how to put shelves in there and figure out how to it's easy
1: that should be light work for him mm-hmm.
0: yeah oh big time mm-hmm. so at
1: what point do you so you're probably life is chaos for you at times yes for sure and so closet doesn't look perfect nope and then at what point are you like i need to like what drives you to
0: that's funny yeah to be like okay this is the the time
1: to make the change is it you have a breath in life you need like it's too overwhelming that you're like
0: yes jamie calls it the tornado effect the debbie tornado effect because what happens is for me and it happened to me even this weekend with our yard i was telling you about this like i get to where all of a sudden i just can't take it anymore Mm -hmm. and then a tornado just blows through and i just work and work and get it done but it stresses him out cuz he like plans and thinks through and is very deliberate about everything and that like totally takes the wind off my sails. If mm-hmm. I get in that mood to get stuff done, I'm like don't talk to me about how to do it, just do it, right? Just move. Just move. That's really just just move. Just move. Just let's get it done. Uh-huh. And so we are so opposite in that way. Um, you know, but now it makes each other we can laugh at each other and have fun with it. It used to stress us out and cause anxiety and difficult conversations Mm -hmm. and not realizing when one was hurting
1: the other that kind of stuff but and none of it's it's personal none of it's personal even back then it wasn't personal never but we take it and now it's like it's just about getting it done yeah just get it done and it's just you
0: personality wise this is how you work it doesn't mean it's wrong this is how your brain works and so we've and both of us are it's part of us as a consequence of number one personality and number two just how we grew up Mm -hmm. like he had to be very deliberate about everything because they didn't have money to spend on stuff. So if you had to make a decision that had to be a good decision, it's not like you had mm. money to go do any repair work afterwards or figure or change it. Right. Mm-hmm. The decision you made had to work the first time. And so for him, that just made some very, um, it took what was already in his DNA and just multiplied yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exempl- <laughs> but now he is feeling much freer yeah. these days, which is good. That's good and how are you with sharing because your closet ebbs and flows too probably like mine typically does some days it's messy some
1: days it's clean so greg's is always bad greg is great he never makes any comments he just steps on my stuff to get to his stuff yeah and i have to be like well that's my fault i left it out and then if it's a shoe that i don't wear off and i'll be like that's fine but if it's not i might be like excuse me excuse me move your foot and get my shoe Other than that, but I don't even think we're in the closet much together anymore. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But back in the day, but seriously, the other morning I did walk in and I was like, oh, he's standing on my clothes. Well, I'm going to turn around and walk out because that's what you do. You don't care when he's standing on your clothes. Um, But he is a mess and I'm a mess at times, but I like, I like to have the floor clean. Yeah. So I want the floor to be clean. If it's not clean, I will pick that up. But then I do have kind of like a little dresser in my closet that I put my stuff on. Like when I don't want to hang things up that I put there. But for us, Gentry sh- slept in our closet. God, till so she was three or four. Yeah. Cause we built that house or renovated the house and that was the only quiet closet. So there's a portion that's still like, you can tell like, Oh, nothing really goes there. Cause we're so used to having a bed for there for so many years that you couldn't, and you had to work around, but no, I, I think our closets represent a lot of us. Um, and have you heard of who is the lady that used to do closets, closet organization? Well, you had to fold it perfectly. And then you had, I just, I wish I would have Oh, bothered. and she's loosened up on that. No, she's like giving it up. She's yeah. like, oh, now that I have kids, there's no way you can keep your closet yeah. clean. But yes, I do think when I am super stressed or busy, my closet's a mess. The moment that I need to a stress reliever, it is usually like, oh, time to Marie Kondo. Yes. Kondo. Mm-hmm.
0: Marie Kondo's giving up on tidying up. My house is messy. Yeah. Um. Well, and it's funny because I do think the thing with the closet is it is something you can close the door on. Like, you can close the door. I can close the door on it and not think about it and be okay. Like, mentally, emotionally, and physically. Where some people probably can't do that, right? Like, even if it's messy, you can't close the door and forget about it. Like, it's going to bother you. Mm -hmm. And so, I do think there's a personality thing there, like, (laughs) too. That is just, that's true for me on a lot of levels with different things. But I feel like, for me, that's how I kept my sanity. Working, having kids.
1: It's by closing the closet door and not seeing the chaos. Things,
0: on many things, not seeing the chaos, oh, like that's just good. choosing. Yeah. Saying I'll get to it when I can, but it's not the end of the world,
1: yeah. right? And just choosing to have that mindset and not worry about it. But well, we talked about this too. Like I don't think anybody's. I. We've showed people our home before because we'll talk about renovating, and I'll show my closet. I don't even think twice about. Again, the whole house is clean because they're coming over, and they'll be like, "Oh," and I'll be like, "Oh, well, this is Gentry Gentry's," and they almost look bad for looking in my closet they feel bad they feel bad and I'm, um, like, oh, go. I'm like I don't care look in my closet like it's not a big deal but you said if you knew people were coming over and they're gonna look at your closet you're gonna clean the closet I
0: would clean it if I knew they were going into my closet Yeah, I don't think of so. course if they, and I'm one of those too that if they end up going somewhere that's messy I have to apologize <laughs> I'm so sorry um, I didn't get a chance to clean yeah. <laughs> like I don't know
1: why mm-hmm. but I feel it's like I have to apologize living is that what that is that is because they're gonna leave your house feeling better about their own home Uh <laughs> that is that's
0: great i've heard that before and i'm tr- keep trying I to it. run there uh-huh. and i just some no, for some go reason, ahead. use still- the
1: bathroom that the boys pee all over it'll that's make you right. feel great about your bathroom your house probably looks so much better than our house go ahead look anywhere you want to i'll make you feel better about your house i always loved it when you that will, lady said
0: that i know that's great you will feel really good yeah
1: yeah if you looked in my closet right now
0: you'd feel really good mm-hmm. about your own that mm-hmm. is absolutely true mm-hmm. that is so true yeah,
1: well and first 1 corinthians fourteen forty, tells us how our closet should be organized i bet you didn't know it was about your closet
0: i didn't know it was about my closet hey, it Tell could me. be Tell me. but all
1: things should be done decently and in order and then it keeps on going our says before for god is not a god of confusion but of peace as in all the churches of the saints so god's closet is probably perfectly in order and i'm peaceful. sure it is
0: but and i'm sure he only has like four outfits versus our you think he has millions outfits? that we have that, that we, like, don't we don't wear Do we don't wear
1: the $300 worth of clothes that women never wear. Is that the study that we shot? So many. Mm-hmm. So many. You wait real fast. Do you think yeah. God has three outfits? Oh, I was being funny. I have no idea. You're talking Another about Jesus as a
0: human. God's not human, so he doesn't have any outfits, right? But mm-hmm. Jesus would.
1: Mm-hmm. Not Jesus would more. have to change. Not anymore, though. It's no, because like, yeah, it'd be right. clean. Okay, so many we things we've to. added. So many things.
0: Yeah, we have Emily today. She's our graphic designer here at church mm-hmm. and does our web. Website stuff. So we're excited to have her. Um, she is just a sweet behind-the-scenes person. Um, she makes all her stuff look pretty online and
1: on our publications. And and she throws out a great um, thing at the very end of the podcast. She does. That is, so some of y'all, are heads are going to spin and you're going to text us. It's going to be so great. I can't wait for y'all to hear. <laughs> to hear. So we were well, because excited because even to talk after to her. she said it, I was like, what? Christy, go back and look. And then I had to be like, no, this is what I believe. Nope, I don't believe that. Like we differ in our beliefs. Yeah. And it was fun because I love it when people throw out things like that because it makes you, I don't panic, but I do want to go, let me go back and read the text again. How do I interpret that? And we, we interpret it, her and I interpret it differently.
0: And people who have studied for decades interpret it differently. Absolutely. That's that's
1: so great. And (laughs) they can still sit and break bread
0: together. You you need to. You have to. It's so good. You have to. So hopefully y'all make it to the end. (laughs) yeah well you're there's a cliffhanger so you have to listen, you have to listen now. <laughs> anyway here is the interview with emily and hopefully we didn't just stress y'all out and you guys are not running to go now organize your closet
2: don't
1: do it <laughs> stay who you
0: are be true to yourself <laughs> <laughs> all right y'all here's the interview hey so we are here with emily hawkins who works for a church you want to Introduce Emily. And You've actually
1: known Emily longer than I have. I have
0: actually. That's true.
1: So maybe I should throw the ball back in your corner and say, it. I will tell you, I adore Emily. She and you is y'all are just
0: a couple offices down from each other. I don't we work do. in the same building as mm-hmm. you guys.
1: So I've got to know Emily. Yeah. I know that she likes to dye her hair different colors for different seasons. Her husband yes. does it. She loves animals. She loves coffee. She loves Jesus. And her, today we were talking and she said, I feel like my job is like my happy place. So she comes in and this is kind of almost like her downtime. Oh. And so when she goes home and works and does things around the house, that's more work where she comes here and this is her downtime. Because time. she
0: gets to do the stuff she loves.
1: Yeah. She's so all anything, into the graphic design All stuff. the graphic design So, so she is our seen, graphic artist. So yes, it is the our stuff one, you up for the whole church. For the whole church. <laughs> so anything you see that's pretty or any kind of content anything with graphics on it colors on it the website up, the website which is a big job to keep a up huge with our website job. yeah but don't get mad at if you don't like the format that's not her she just makes it pretty and puts the content on it. all Those our posters mm-hmm. the bulletin yeah, yeah she does all the pretty things so if you don't like it don't tell her but if you like it you should <laughs> text right. her or email her okay, so she's our graphic artist and you've been here tell since, me what year
0: since 2012 so you've been here 10 years 11 years Really, almost 11. In
2: September, it would be 11. 11.
0: Um, but it is not an easy job to herd a bunch of ministers together to get you what you need to do your job. But I, so I'm giving props to you mm-hmm. because I have to say to hang on and put up with us for this long in the job you're doing well done Aww. and to do it with the sweetness and the sweet demeanor mm-hmm.
1: it's lots of coffee because and candy
0: because we're supposed to get our stuff in advance to do like things, six weeks in advance and i don't think that is kind
2: of a typical way that we work all the time mm-hmm. well i also don't really expect anybody to do that anymore well,
1: maybe <laughs> did you at the beginning and now no. you're like Mm-mm. forget it
2: no no, and part of the reason that I have been successful here is because of my previous employment as the same in the same position mm-hmm. at a different church and I did all the wrong things and learned what not to do there. And so when I came on staff here, it was like I'm going to do this right this time. So you changed oh. your expectations. I changed my expectations, on... I changed my attitude, um so we're all like this, is what you're saying. Whatever church we go to, we're all. Yes. Whenever I talk to somebody that has only begun their ministry journey, consider, I'm talking about 17 years of ministry experience. Yourself, personally. Myself. Um, speaking to somebody who's been in for a year or two, and they, I hear them saying something like, I just need to find a different church. I'm like, no. <laughs> no, changed. there is no good place. I mean, it's all people. Yeah, so there's no perfect place to do your job. Yeah, it's all people, and people are always terrible, whether we're (laughs) Christians or not. But she loves me and you, Debbie. We're not terrible. (laughs) She loves us. She's sitting with
1: us. (laughs) She's like, no comment.
0: I think she means we're terrible at following directions.
2: I I mean that the character of the human being, as defined by scripture, is that, that we are depraved
0: like we're not naturally we're not naturally good necessarily we have to work
2: on it it, and people enter church work and they think this place is going to be different than working at a bank or working at Mm Chick-fil-A because these people are real Christians or these people they're closer to God and I'm here to tell you that Mm -hmm. is not true humans are human Mm -hmm. and if you have high expectations you're going to be disappointed but on the flip side, if you are uh, focused on Christ and your opportunities to be Christ-like, then ministry is an ongoing opportunity for you to demonstrate to the people you work closest with, the people that you work with sometimes, and the people out in the peripheral experience, Those that's where you get to shine, and that is what ministry does to you. That's It's pr- part of some people, my personal walk of sanctification, and that's what I'm talking about when I say my first job as a graphic designer. I totally failed because I was wrapped up in my own self, my own passion for the job. Um, always thinking my ideas were the best or the right, getting frustrated with others when they didn't see how great I was. All those things. Um, that was me learning how to live a Christ-like life, and um being successful in ministry is always going to be about uh, treating others um the way that Christ wants you to treat people and not being focused on the task at hand and that's true if i hear what you're saying i mean that's true no matter
0: what job you have if you're a exactly yeah, right yeah. yeah so that's what you're saying mm-hmm. yeah is, i mean you still have
1: to do that here yeah.
0: because we're still people who will test the yeah. patience of other people
1: and we're not any better than any other human working in any, exactly anywhere else. No, yeah. exactly. That's right. I love that. That's um, good. but you can't Pre- reach
2: Emily. Pretty well, <laughs> but you can also, there are really a huge, you know, perks like, uh, it is a bubble of security where you know that your faith is not going to be questioned. Mm, um, and that is good. something that I have enjoyed, uh, for the 17 years, um, and no matter how stressful or frustrating things can be, I know that I, I'm so grateful to have this in my life, um, a job that I love, working with people that I love, serving a God that I love, instead of being in a place where I'm afraid to speak up for him um, or admit my true feelings about cultural issues or whatever, um, I'm not threatened here. And that is, that's a really beautiful blessing yeah, that
0: is the bubble part. That is the difference in the church usually, I think. A lot of times that's true. That's a good point. So we do want to know more about what has brought you where you are to the, these moments of understanding what ministry is, no matter where you land. Um, so tell us about like where you were born, where you were raised, family life, how you came to know the Lord, all the above.
2: Okay, well, um, born and raised in a DFW area. Um, my parents... Uh, my mom is from McGregor, Texas is a really tiny little Texas town. Um, my father from Dallas, um, both of his parents, I think are second or third generation Italian or something. And, um, So uh, just real local, always been local. I only did one, uh, I I did two years at the University of Wisconsin, and that's as far as I've ever been from home. Not really into traveling at all. Why'd you pick Wisconsin? Um, Because it had a big religious studies program um, oh wait, that's what I like to tell people, but the real reason is because I was following a guy that I thought I was there gonna get in. There we go. Yeah. That's the juicy. Um stuff. so stupid. Just stupid, stupid things. But it ended up being something that God used mightily in my life. So So I'm if Phoebe for follows it. a boy follows a boy. Phoebe is Emily's daughter. So now we're asking if Phoebe (laughs) wants to follow a boy. Because you did that. How are you going to parent her if she does that? You know what? Like my mom parented me because my mom was a superhero, as Mm -hmm. you know. And um, my mother was so understanding and tolerant of that weirdness and took me shopping for my first apartment. I mean, I moved. I didn't move in with this guy. I moved to Nina, Wisconsin, uh, within, I think, four or five blocks from his apartment into my own apartment, um, and, you know, she helped me get pots and pans and everything. It was the first time I had lived away from home, and um, she was very supportive and sweet, and I guess because she's a prayer warrior, she knew it was going to be short-lived. <laughs> um, awesome. So, and Did you at was.
0: least enjoy school while you were there?
2: Yeah, it's where I had the most life-changing experience. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think it had anything to do with the fact that I was so far away from home, but it had it was people, you know, the people involved specifically were the the ones that um that God used. So, but I would go back and say um just for the record that I mentioned my mom is a superhero. Um my parents are are both wonderful. Uh they're still married. I don't know how long, but Fifty plus years or something, um, and uh, I have a brother who's uh, four years younger than I am. I'm 44, um, so uh, I was raised Southern Baptist. Uh, we went to Legacy Drive Baptist Church in Plano for my whole childhood. I was baptized by Pastor Gene Wilkes. when You know, I was they bought there. our old house in Plano. Did I tell the you the Wilkes? That? Yeah. No, oh, no, I yeah. didn't. They but, bought our house on Piedra. Um. That was a that was a good church to be in. and mm-hmm. uh, my mom always demonstrated uh, serving and giving and all the things. she did all of the right moves. And I hated church and I hated Christianity. Um, by the time I was in sixth grade, I was so done with it. I mean, I went through the childhood understanding and the childlike faith desire to know God and then just abandoned it completely once I got into middle school because I was way, way more interested in being popular and being pretty and having fun, and none of those things seemed to align with Christianity. I did not gel with my youth group at all. Um, I got into all kinds of trouble, and by the time I was uh, ready to go um, let's see, into college, um, I was hostile to Christianity. It, it became not just that I didn't care about it and didn't want to engage, that I was, I guess, 17, 18, and maybe even before then, um, I, I was on the war path ready to prove to everybody that Christianity was complete hogwash, and, um, did you and your mom have conflict, or your mom and dad have conflict over this? Well, it's funny that you mentioned my dad, um, because despite my parents' successful marriage, I don't really know if my dad is a true believer or not, um, question mark, so we'll just see. But um, yeah, I, I didn't speak a lot about it, about how I was feeling. My behaviors demonstrated it, um, but I didn't have fights with my mom. Uh, it was mostly just, I'm cutting you off and I'm not going to communicate with you anymore about spiritual matters or eye rolling or changing of the subject. (laughs) Um, just kind of like, yeah, whatever, mom, thanks. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, I'll pray, whatever. Um, and and just ignoring her did you keep going to church even though you i was i was made to go until i was in about seventh eighth grade and then i brought up the very valid hard to argue with point that my dad doesn't go and why should i have to go if my dad doesn't go and so she she let me stay home so when you
0: were uh, walking into church those sundays before you stopped going um, you don't get along with people, with kids, I guess, in the youth group. Yeah. You're not liking church at that point. Yeah. What was that like?
2: Um, Well, I think that I am, um, I mean, I, I'm okay with who I am now, and I, I like who I am, uh, but I think that it was a hard road to come to terms with how uh, different I am in my thought life than others, and uh, for the longest time, my my outward appearance, I think I, I was, I thought, yeah, I want to define myself as being different, so I'm going to wear all black or uh, paint my eyes really dark or whatever it was, but I'm still aligning myself with a particular group, like I'm a rebel or a punk, but um, even in that crowd, it was like, as I matured, it became more clear that I don't really fit in anywhere, and it was hard for me to make friends and keep friends because I would get to know somebody, and then as soon as I started having real conversations with them, it would be like, oh, she's just so weird, and I couldn't really share how I think or feel about things because I don't do. Um, I I just I'm not into the same things as a lot of people are into. But you're a deep
1: thinker. Is that what you would say? I feel like you're a very deep thinker, a yeah, thorough thinker. Sure.
2: But and the, you're super
1: smart. Oh. <laughs> well, conversations we have, I'm like, oh, that's a good point, Emily. Like, you go places where I'm like, oh, that's so Well, and so I think great. you're touching on
0: something that is a difficult thing for a lot of preteens and teenagers. Is that there is, as much as we try and we say, okay, everybody belongs here. You all belong at church. There is a culture that is involved with different churches. You have a DNA, right? And so I think for adults, you learn how to navigate that culture. And even you may find a life group that meshes more with kind of you. But I think for students, what's hard, kind of what you're touching on, is when you're going upstream from the culture part, it feels like you're going upstream from God. And so when you conflate those things and put them together for a teenager, yeah. for a kid, yeah. it's hard. So yeah, do you feel like that was part of it?
2: And you just um, having on your
0: journey, having to figure those things out?
2: Well, to a degree, I think that one thing I could have benefited from was having somebody around me that understood my my counterculture ideas yeah. and desires, mm-hmm. but still could give me a Christian perspective, because kind of with, even though, I mean, my mom is wonderful, and like we've already said, superhero, I I don't want to disparage her in any way. I will say, though, she kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater, like my daughter is dressing all black, and I don't want her to dress this way, and so somehow that becomes part of, well, I'm doing this because I don't want to be a Christian, and it's a weird it's that those two things aren't mutually exclusive. It, but at the point, at the time in my growing up, it seemed like it was. But, you know, uh, even, uh, and this is not a detail that I plan to talk about, so I'll try to make it short, but there was a huge bright spot in that youth ministry experience, and that was these this couple that came in that were kind of a supplement to the youth pastor. I'm not sure exactly what their job was, but... They had a heart for youth, and they picked up on me like a magnet. And they were like, "She's the person we're going to connect with." And there were two other people in in our youth group that were kind of alternative, like, and they had a totally different way of communicating. And they did not see the same types of um, attitudes and appearance the way that other people did. It was, oh, well, you you. You like this, but you can still listen to that music and mm-hmm. love Jesus. Um, and I'm not talking about like subversive music, mm-hmm. but just not like we were saying yeah. before, not the kind of thing that you expected a Christian. did not have to, to be Michael W. To. Smith, right? right? I mean, <laughs> right? Like you can still listen yeah. to y 95 or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> isn't that what yeah. it is? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, they they did a huge uh, uh, thing for me, um, and I became really close to them, and they also opened up spiritual conversations that I had never had before uh, which that's what I'll skip because I don't want to go there but um, things that uh, I had never considered, I had never understood that way, things about spiritual warfare that gave me insight and uh, really made me interested in spiritual things again, but Do they was... point you
1: to the cross? Is that what oh, made absolutely. it more interesting? Uh, or to come back to have those? Like what? What? What were some of the subjects or what uh, what made you want to go oh i want to enter back into a conversation
2: well i mean i hate to say it we might have to edit it out but it was de- like demons and angels we in don't that. have to edit that out um that was that was the really it yeah. spoke to me yeah i mean you gotta that's the 90s yeah. goth thing right mm-hmm. but god used that because yeah. it, you know it and i still remember them and i actually pray for them yeah, every once in a while so um and so even through high so
0: it's middle school you stop going to church with your mom around seventh eighth grade and then all through high school you're not going you're staying home with your dad and then you get to college and you've already decided at that point I'm not a believer
2: yeah I had decided I wasn't a believer and I was on like I said before the war path to prove that Christianity was not true what did that look Um, like for you when you say war path what did that mean uh well I I was a when I went to college, before I moved to Wisconsin, I was at UNT, and I was a fine arts major, and I was going to be a super famous artist. And then when I moved to UW, um, I was a fine arts major, but I was also a religious studies major. And religious- So you
0: were going to learn for the purpose of mm-hmm. discounting. Yes. But yeah. then eventually something starts changing.
2: Yes, that is – okay, so I had these two professors um, – I had my fine arts professor at UW was named Barb Rosenthal and she is a fantastic artist and she was doing a lot for me in my art that w- was pushing me into new places and that whole thing was going on. And I was super excited about where that was going. Uh, meanwhile, and I, and I had a relationship with her where we would like go and have a meal at a restaurant together and stuff. So it was more than just in class. Like she was totally my real friend. Um, because remember just moved there I don't have any childhood friends so I was actually friendly with a lot of my professors um so my religious studies professor named Kathleen uh she and I kind of developed a similar relationship and we uh would get together at a restaurant or whatever and talk theology but Kathleen was studying under Elaine Pagels who is a very pretty famous author about feminism um and uh, Christian myths and Mm -hmm. uh, very much, you know, a person who approaches Christianity as one of the interesting aspects of religious cultural beliefs, but has no belief that it's true. Mm. Just uh, the kind of, I mean, the way that scholarship views religion. And um, so I had these two women Uh, Both were extremely influential in my life. I had great respect for both. Um, They were both wonderful to me uh, and helpful to me. Um, And uh, I um, ended, ended up going to church with Barb. At this time in my life, because I was obsessed with religion, and I'm saying religion on purpose, because I was obsessed with its cultural implications. I was obsessed with the way people think about life, morality, how they make moral decisions, what's right, what's wrong. I was also obsessed with the symbolism around those things. And so in my fine art life, I was going through this uh, this series where I would paint um, blackbirds or crows. But they looked like women wearing hijabs, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. So it was like the silhouette of a crow or multiple crows in a yard. But if you, you, if you looked at it one way, you could see that it was like a, like a field of women wearing hijabs. And so I kind of had this, uh, and there was some feminism mixed in there, like that, the, the weird backwards feminism where if you're wearing a hijab, you can't be ogled or burqa. You can't be ogled that right, you've I can't heard see that spin you. right yeah. mm-hmm. and and it's not oppressive it is freeing because mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about your appearance okay right. so i had all that stuff going on in my art and i really loved the religious imagery of the catholic church so i had this art thing going on that was really interested in religion but in a very shallow way and then i had the the um cognitive stuff that was more you know that was anti-religious so I don't know what that's a mixed up person so was that therapeutic for you at that time um to in the way that that's just how I expressed my my thoughts my my deepest my what I'm thinking what I'm spending my time and energy on uh, my thought life you know so Barb invited me to church and she was a Catholic and so I went to a Catholic church this is the first Catholic church I'd ever been to I'd always been to a Baptist church and she's like you like pretty church I'm like yes I do like pretty church and she's like let's go and so I went to to church with her a couple of times really enjoyed it mostly because of the aesthetics Um, but then uh You know, okay, so I had this other thing going on where I've always got these readings from scripture because that's part of my assignment as a religious studies major. Mm. And I'm reading and reading, and you know what happens when you read the Bible? There's power in the Word. There's power. (laughs) And so I'm reading things, and I'm like, wait, I mean, that seems like it's true, Mm. you know? And I'm remembering things that my mom taught me, things that I have spent my whole life fighting against, but I know the reason you're fighting is because it's real mm-hmm. and I, it was like yes okay so now I'm admitting that this is real It, I, I've completely I've, got, I've done a 180 I've come back to him because I see through study that it's the real deal and I've also got this part of beauty that I'm interested in exploring and it all kind of came together and it was an Easter service at this Catholic church and I like rededicated myself so Easter would have been April. So I finished that year, that semester out, and then came back to Texas at like the end of May um, and planned to go back to UW when the next semester started and just be uh, in DFW for the summer. And I had also finally broken up with this guy. So we'd gone together for two years uh, when I was at UW, and I was like, one of the reasons I came home for the summer is because I was like, he is not the person for me. I only planned to be there for the summer, and my my friend Kara um, was like, you're, you know, you need to get a job. You, you need to do something with yourself because I was kind of depressed and. Not sure what I was going to do with myself. And she told me, just come to work at Half Price Books. And, um, you know, my, my manager will just give you a job right, you know, on the phone. Plus, she says, there's a guy <laughs> that is totally your type. And I'm like, okay, my type. Um, I was ready for my type, again, because this guy that I had dated in U- at UW was not my type is the opposite of my type. And so I went to, I think I met the manager at a bar, um, with my friend and she was like, yeah, you can start Monday, you know, whatever. So I show up Monday and the guy that my friend said, um, was my type is actually more than my type. He's my current husband, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but I knew him from way, way back um, in high school because he worked at a record store and he was the hottest guy at the record store. And my friends and I would all go in a big group to go shop and go ask Johnny to help us with records. So well, now you're at Half Price Books working with with this guy, with this guy you knew in I high swear, school. I'd been crushing on since I was like fourteen. Wow. Um, and so I was like, that's the guy like that. It's not just my type. That's like the guy that set my type. And then he's like one to talk to me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't even know. I, I, I was so confused by it. I didn't understand why he would want to talk to me or have anything to do with me at all. But he was but giving you attention. And you were yes, like, why are you giving me attention? Yes. He's so cool. Um, you gotta, I mean, he's okay. He had like the best punk clothes and the best punk hair is like the magazine picture of the coolest hottest punk guy that That's you awesome. can imagine it. did he have doc martens he had creepers which is even cooler than doc martens i'm to google that while you keep talking <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> they're like platform docs or whatever okay. oh, I'm up right now. um and so yeah he was giving me attention and i'm like all right this is so weird but yeah i'll go out with you And so we went out a couple of times. Oh, creepers. Mm -hmm. But I still really thought that he was just, I thought, well, I'm just the new one. Anyway, he kept inviting me to lunch. And one day when we were at lunch, he said something about, you know, Christianity. And I was like, are you a Christian? And he was like, yeah. I'm like, so wait, so you're this super cool guy that sings for a band locally and knows everything that there is to know about music and punk rock and you have such great taste in everything and movies and books and all this but you believe in Jesus yeah he's mm-hmm. like yeah i believe in jesus i know i'm a sinner and i need to be saved and i was like i i do too and i think that's so he was like yeah i think it's really real in fact He says, I I just went to this church a couple of months ago with my friend, and they had really awesome music on Sunday morning. And, of course, he um, had uh, connections with the music scene in Dallas. And so apparently there were these jazz musicians. uh, One of the guys I think is named Tom Braxton uh, that used to play in Dallas that played at Covenant Church on Sunday morning. And so the Sunday morning lineup at Covenant Church was filled with these really talented musicians, singers, and, you know, instrumental. And so he's like, and they had really great worship. Do you want to go to church? And I'm like, okay. And so we went, we went that, I mean, I think that conversation was like Thursday and we went Sunday morning together. And it was amazing that um, we were so welcomed at that church uh, as weird as we looked I and mean, we did not change a single thing about our appearance and um I, there was nobody else there like us but we were welcomed with open arms uh what one thing i remember that sticks out is that with the creepers thing he had a pair of creepers that had like flames on the front mm. um and this lady walked by and she was like oh look at your devil stompers. <laughs> oh, devil that's stompers. Isn't that cute? And, and I think that stuck with me because it felt so authentic and so friendly and such a sweet way to see us and not think, what in the world are think you people doing Think the best of you here? instead yeah. of the worst of you. Yeah. yeah. And so instantly we were like, yeah, that was awesome. Let's go back. And we started going to covenant church and, started getting to know people and, um, started having more and more spiritual conversations. we were super motivated, uh, went to all the Wednesday night stuff, all the Bible studies, and we're just totally on fire for Jesus. Both of us got re-baptized. Uh, I had been baptized when I was in like, I think fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade. He had been baptized and he had a similar kind of journey that he went to a Baptist church, as a young person, and then left, uh, but not, he never stopped believing, he just got busy with other things, and was invested in uh, music, and and becoming a musician, and so just didn't go to church, but, so that, that we got baptized there, and we ended up getting jobs there, so he started working for Covenant, I don't know, like, 2002 or something like that um and I started there uh, a little ways after him um we got married there and uh the pastor um that we that married us we still we still talk to and still see you know that's kind of my journey I mean I I have a detail that's worth telling okay tell it okay So I can't believe I forgot this because it's the one thing I thought that is what I'm going to tell about. Um, So when I was going through that time in college, coming back to the Lord, going to that Catholic Church, when I rededicated uh, my life to Christ on that Easter service, I, for the first time, really was asking God, okay, I get it that you're real now, but what in the world do you want me to do? Like what do you want me to do? And I really felt that he was like, "You're gonna do art for me," and I was like, "Do art for you, do art for you." What does that even mean? And for weeks and weeks, it was like he's he wants me to do art for him. I what what is Christian art? And I started, I was so far away. I uh, I started researching like Christian art and Christian artists. And, of course, you go through the stuff where you're like, okay, not, no, not the Thomas Kincaid, no.
1: Right. Not not,
2: not doing that. Like, <laughs> where where am I fitting? And then I found that, that these people with the Catholic Church that do icon painting, uh, there are some places that they're really serious about it. And the people that do icon painting, like, fast for weeks and go through all these, like, kind of ritual practices to, like, I don't know what they're doing, um, but it, it's, I mean, I'm not advocating it, but at the time I didn't really understand that that was the wrong road. It just seemed like maybe that's what he means, mm-hmm. you know. I, I'm going to be an icon painter. I guess that <laughs> that's what he means. And so I hung on to that, not really believing I was going to pursue icon painting, but somewhere out there in the front was – you're going to do art for me. And I'm still not quite sure what that means, but I think I might know. Like I need to start painting apostles or painting scenes from the Bible, that kind of idea. And so, okay, so fast forward. And then I'm at the Covenant Church. The reason I got hired there is because when Johnny was already working there, um, he was working in their bookstore. And he noticed that Pastor Mike had a whole lot of series that were available, um, but they didn't have any artwork. And Johnny said, you know, well, um, my yeah, I was just his girlfriend at the time. My girlfriend does graphic design because I was doing that at Kinko's. So he he wanted me to do those, uh, those d- designs for the sermon. Yeah. We did the, a couple of those. A couple more things came up. Would you do a flyer here? Would you do this design here? For, and this was all just volunteer. Sure, sure. I was happy to have the opportunity to help. To do that. And then, you know, I think it was like a year after or maybe even just six months after Johnny and I got married um, in 2004, this lady calls and says, you know, I'm, my name is Kathy, whatever. And I just got hired as the marketing coordinator for Covenant Church. They've never had a marketing department before. And I'm putting together a team. I want you on my team. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Well, yeah, I want to be part of that team. And then. Um, what the amazing thing is that she offered me a real salary and that blew my mind because I, I, it, it hadn't even occurred to me that that I could do it as like a real, like a real career. And so, yeah, it blew my mind and it was so awesome and, um, hit the ground running and, um, and made that job work for seven years. And, um, like I said, I learned all the wrong things. I learned so much. Um, good and bad but definitely my attitude about you know art and its purpose uh, marketing and its purpose and all that in the church has changed uh, dramatically
0: there was a lot that happened to y'all in that church like you and Johnny started going there together as boyfriend girlfriend you got married there there was a lot of life going on you Mm -hmm. learned a lot there was it hard to leave
2: um I think that, no, I, the time I, I, with my attitude, I had become really bitter. Um, and I think that it was just, I mean, there were, in hindsight, God was really pushing us out of that nest and it was time to go. We had just had Phoebe and, uh, I felt a lot of pressure. I was at that point running the marketing department, um, to the best of my ability, I mean, I still had a boss, but I was making most of the day-to-day decisions and workflow and stuff. And it was just too much. There's too much demand. And I didn't communicate well, uh, for on, like on my own behalf, which is something I do now. It it was just, it was time to move on and no, it wasn't really that hard. Plus there was a lot of changes in that church toward the end, um, that made it a different, a different mm-hmm. animal, you know, than what it was when we first went to. And you've been here ever since. Yes, but it's it's worth mentioning um, that a whole a whole other level of knowing the Lord and trusting Him was reached in my job search. We went through um, a lot of financial hardship, and the Lord provided for us. And I learned so much about trusting him and um, not being, I'm not, I was so convinced of my own ability that I hadn't, that piece of of trusting him that is really stepping out I had never done. Uh, I had done a lot of the trusting him that everything's gonna be okay in the end but not mm-hmm. the real deal daily I don't have any resources. That is where I was for almost a year. And that was that I grew so much and learned to depend on him. And and that changed my perspective about my own ability, trusting my own ability. Um, Sometimes when people
1: are in those situations, too, it seems that they go the other way. It rocks their faith. It shakes their foundation and they turn away. Did you ever find yourself going that route?
2: No, because, um, because he, because he consistently, I consistently saw him. Mm. Um, I mean, we got it was crazy. We we would get, we get money from people that we barely know or don't know. Um, money found, just incredible provision, and uh, and needs met every single time. Uh, it got to the point that I my attitude went from being this desperate, like, "Oh, please, please help me," to "I can't wait to see what you do today, because mm-hmm. you know that I need five hundred dollars, so I can't wait to celebrate how you're going to do it. I know it's going to be amazing, mm-hmm. and and it was every time, and I have hung on to that. So now, even though I have a steady job, um. And I love my steady job. If it goes away, I know that it isn't what keeps me afloat. It's him. Mm. And he'll make a a change in my life, and I will celebrate whatever change that is.
1: Uh, Real fast, you've mentioned Phoebe, but you also have another little person in your house. Yes, my Hugo. Your Hugo. And um, did y'all plan on having two kids? I guess so. Oh, that's fun. As you were talking about your mom and then kind of your story, I was reminded of Second um, Timothy where it talks about, I thank God, this is 2 Timothy 1. I thank God whom I serve as I did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I'm reminded you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. And I also like this part too. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Holy cow, Paul puts a run-on sentence together here. In which now he has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, to abolish death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed, a preacher, and apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. For I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And he keeps on going. But it reminded me of your mother's faith, Ooh. and that she allowed you to kind of do your thing. But then, just that reminder too of like, just keep praying for him, keep being present, keep loving our kids well.
2: Yeah, you know, you know, and my mom told me that she was praying for me all through college hmm. that I would meet a man of God. It's so cool. Which is funny because you know my husband is obsessed with scripture. Mm-hmm. He is. Yeah. It's just so
0: cool when we sit down with staff in front of the microphone, mm-hmm. all the little details that mm-hmm. we well, go. Don't you I didn't
1: know that detail. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what you're going to do today, Lord. I'm going to look for ways to celebrate. That's what Emily said. Yeah, Yeah. that's what you Mm -hmm. said. Like, that's a good... How often do we view our day or view hardships that way? Yep. We like to wrap it up by asking lightning round questions. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. What is the last show that you binge watched and loved?
2: What's it called? Barry? But it's the guy from Saturday Night Live. And, uh... The thing about that show is that I thought that guy was funny, mm-hmm. and he is funny. But he's also an amazing actor. It has really good ratings.
0: It's a, it's
1: a great.
2: Who's show. the actor in it?
0: Bill Hader. Yeah. Oh, Hader. I like yeah. him. I like yeah. him a lot. Sarah Goldberg's in it.
1: That's fine. Henry
0: Winkler's in it. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: This is not a question that we normally ask, but share with us maybe your two podcasts that you like to listen to. Oh no! Come on, they're so good. You don't want to. Sure, okay. Or just um, one of the two, maybe not both of them. Okay, uh, I listened to... So Christy a... knows the answer to this question already. <laughs> I, I, I see I'm her eyes light up. I am leaving soon, and so I'm going to put one of those on because I know all the kids will have their, okay. their devices so I can put in my headphones and
2: listen. Uh, one is called Canary Cry News Talk. Um, but that would be highly recommended to any Christian who wants to listen to analysis of current events um, through a Christian lens. And, and their podcasts are like two hours though. That's what stopped me from. It the is first a long like haul, but I think it's worth it. I listen to almost every show and have listened probably since I mean they've been doing the show forever, but even before the show they had a different show and I listened to that one. So I've I've been a fan for years. Um, and you don't then, have to share
1: the other one if you don't
2: want to. No, it's okay. I okay. the other one is called is called No Agenda. And it is um, not a Christian show, but it isn't uh, Hostile to Christians, but mm. it is also alternative news analysis. Um, really breaking apart things and what the and, and examining what the motivations are behind the way news is reported. Mm. Um, looking a little deeper, following the money, that kind of idea. Mm. What is something that people often get wrong about you? Maybe that the how how uh, traditionally Baptist I think. How oh, people don't realize, don't realize. how tra-
0: traditionally Baptist you think. Yeah, I mean, okay.
2: and I mean, in the Baptist cultural tradition, I I I love the I love the Baptist culture, and I think um, I I see a lot of value in it. Uh, just I mean. Uh, that's the way I was raised. But yeah. I think because maybe my parents might not be exactly what you expect, people make assumptions. So many thoughts on that. So to keep fun. <laughs> what is your biggest pet peeve? <laughs> oh, I don't know. People who judge a book by their cover? <laughs> no. I don't think that bothers me. Um, Why doesn't it bother you? Uh, because... I think everybody judges books by their cover. I mean, I do. Like, who doesn't? Yeah. And it, if you say that you don't, I'm like, liar. <laughs>
0: <I love it. laughs> true, true. So um, for you, it's more of an acceptance. Is it, that's part of just being human? Yeah. Here is like you're. We're all gonna yeah. judge.
2: Yeah. Like, like I said, I low like expectations. Yeah.
0: I think that's a very honest way to look at that.
2: Do you have pet peeves with
1: anything? People driving. Cooking nothing nothing really comes house? to
2: mind. I don't know. I'm sure that if you ask my kids, they would probably be able to answer you. Maybe that leaving towel, leaving wet towels on the floor. That mm.
1: But nothing that crazy. big. Nothing. Okay. Really... The noisy narrative is about cutting through the noise and getting to the heart of the matter. What is your narrative right now? Fill in the blank. Blank narrative. What season are you in?
2: Hmm. Um, perseverance. Perseverance, I think. Okay. Um, uh, approaching every day with the attitude that I am going to live out the story God has written for me and I'm going to live it with a, a happy, joyful attitude. Um, and that every challenge that comes is something that he wrote for me and me uniquely. And whether I like it or not, that's part of what he thought when he created me. So there must be something about it that's worth, right? No, that's yeah, worth knowing or worth and experiencing. And working with and staying on script, script staying
1: yeah. on task. Yeah. You are in heaven and you're looking down at your funeral. What do you hope people say about you?
2: You can't say good and faithful well, servant. I don't think I'd be in heaven. I think I'd be in the new heaven and the new earth maybe or I don't know. Um what was it sorry, Miss? What do people you. want to say? Well, I want you to ask want questions to
1: regarding your comment, but we'll just keep yeah, me
2: too. <laughs> what um what would
1: people say about you at your funeral? I don't know. She drew a good picture. She was an amazing artist.
2: Yeah. Okay, well then those things I guess. <laughs> she's a great conversationalist. Well, can, she's, she's very, very humble. She's very she's humble. Very humble. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's all I got. No, back to the thing. I think that when you um, when you die, uh, you go straight to the judgment day. I think time is suspended so that when you're on earth, you're experiencing the timeline, but outside of time, then it's just. It's
0: that idea that we don't realize we're sleeping, we're waiting, and all of a sudden we just wake up and it's judgment day.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That you're There's a be... school of thought for that,
0: yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't so, do you even believe like we're leaving
1: hurt. in a church age now? And you believe in, like that kind of mentality and the tribulation and all that? But then once you are removed from this at any point during that timeline, you go directly to mm-hmm, the new? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. there's no not timeline there's... though, like the millennium and then the new heaven and new no, earth based is, off of Revelation. No, that
2: is timeline because he's that's part of what he has established as timeline. What I'm talking about is being taken out of the timeline. Okay, doesn't mean that you, it, you just. There's just no time there.
1: You're not mm.
0: experiencing anything else yeah. in between taking out the timeline and judgment. Yeah. You as a person. Right. Yeah.
1: That's way high thinking. I'm going to have to process that for a long time.
0: I love the fact that Emily was free just to throw <laughs> that out there. That's awesome. I'm saying she's got some good
1: thoughts on things. Yeah. I think for that's sure. awesome. It yeah. exposes us to different thoughts. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
1: All right. Okay.
0: Well. Well, af- after that little rabbit trail.
1: Good. good job, Ellen. We're going to close up the lightning round questions. i to throw it back at us. That was good. That was good. We appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I love that. We, we love that on here. So, um, Okay, well, that's it from Noisy Narratives. Um, until next week, everybody, this is Noisy Narratives out. Bye. Life's going to be amazing.